Hello, everyone. Hi. My name is Cass. I'm Alex. And this is Anime is for Jerks. And this month, we are talking about Keep Your Hands Off a Zoken, uh, directed by Masaki Iwasa and produced by Science Saru, based on the manga by Sumito Owara. Uh, Alex, did you like this show? It was fun. Yeah. It was cute. Uh, yeah, the show is, is pretty good. Um, I went into it. Uh, not hoping to dislike it, but rather prepared to dislike it, uh, because uh, everybody likes this show, <laughs> um, and and I I am generally suspicious of things that I've never heard anybody criticize, uh, <laughs> and yet and yet here we are. Um, it's not like the if I had to criticize this show, what I would say about it is that it is not. It is the least interesting thing I have ever seen Masaki Yuasa be involved in. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, it, it's it's not it's not super ambitious. Yeah, it is. It's, it's it's a lot less ambitious than everything else we've seen from Science Saru, um, both in visual I, style I, and narratively. I, yeah, I mean, I was looking at some of the other stuff that Science Saru has produced, and a lot of it does. A lot of the things we haven't seen don't sounds super ambitious um yeah yeah i i'm i'm restricting it to what uh what i've seen because obviously they right. did they did I, work I on think... they did do animation assistance on yokai watch the movie uh which i can't <laughs> imagine was particularly yeah um, it's um like i i mentioned when we were doing the episode for dev man crybaby i had a lot of problems with uh how women were represented in that and i said something along the lines of <laughs> maybe the reason that ping pong was so good is that he didn't have any women to represent <laughs> to, um, just the old ping pong lady and and that obviously wasn't fair but it was funny so i said it yeah um but in this Izuken, show seems to have been produced specifically there are, there, to there hoist are, you there are no men yeah <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so by so there are no uh, uh interactions to be had in, in, in Either. Masaki Iwasa as heard, you, heard, heard you talking shit like he wouldn't find out. As long as it's all guys or all girls, yeah. it's it's cool. Yeah. Uh, mix things together and he starts having weird ideas about sex. Um, yeah, Masaki Iwasa uh, does not know what sex is. Uh, unfortunately, he thinks it, it involves dolls somehow. Um, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so this is a show about that I it gave me a lot of feelings. Um, it's it's yeah, um, and uh, complicated feelings, many of which uh, we we will we will elucidate throughout this show. So uh, it is a show about uh, three girls: uh, Asaksa, who is like this little excitable little pipsqueak, 
a gremlin. Yeah, she's a little gremlin. She wears a bucket hat all the time. Uh, and she uh, doodles, like, in elaborate, like, world-building concepts in her notebook. And then her friend, Kanamori, um, who is very tall because she slept a lot and drinks a lot of milk. Um, <laughs> and um, constantly has just, like, just like a... Sh- like a, a a sinister smile. Her, she's, she just always has her teeth out. Yeah, she's either either like grimacing or grinning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she, it, depending depending on whether she's anticipating gaining or losing money. Yeah, uh, and then they meet. So they're they're close friends from a few years ago, and they are starting. Uh, this is their first year of high school at the beginning of the show, right? Yes. Um, and so they are they're studying high school at at Shibahama High. Uh, so, so they, uh, Asakusa, in the first episode, Asakusa drives, uh, drags, uh, Kanamori with, with promises of the, the fancy milk they sell at the, at the, at the laundromat. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, to an anime screening. Um, and at that anime screening, Asakusa, it's, it's, you know that meme picture of that, those, that guy with, like, the wraparound sunglasses and the spiked hair talking, like, directly into the ear of that blonde lady at a sports <gasps> event? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's that, um, with, with Asakusa but, telling Kanamori all about, like, animation and animation technique and, and, and all of the stuff that's going on in the, in the thing that they're watching. And Kanamori comes to, comes to realize that, uh, one, Asakusa knows a lot about mistake. this stuff. There's a lot of there's a lot going on in animation, and also there's a lot of money to be made in animation from somebody like Asakusa who knows all of this stuff. Um, so <laughs> then, then, then the anime Men in Black show up. Yes. So so yeah, another girl pops in. She's like, "Can I sit? Can I sit there?" And then b- before she can she can post up, the the Men in Black appear and chase her through the theater. Yeah. Um, and Asakusa and Kanamori are like, that looks interesting. And so they chase <laughs> after see, her. Let's go see what's going on. And we we catch up we catch up with with Mizusaki being uh, chewed out by one of one of the men in black who says plainly, "Our orders are to keep you from joining the anime club," which is a noble pursuit and the founding charter of this podcast. Yeah, that is yeah our our. I don't like using images with subtitles in them for the thumbnails of the podcast. I think it looks bad. Um, But but currently, like, the avatar of our podcast on Twitter and on on Anchor and all of that places is the the communist robot from Gunbuster. Um, But if I were to change it, I would change it to this guy saying, our orders are to keep you from joining the anime club. I mean, that should maybe be our our Twitter header. Um, Right now, now it's, it's the end of Evangelion. Um, uh, and so, so they've been sent by her dad, uh, who wants her to focus on being an actress, which, as we learn, was kind of like her mother's. Yeah, because her, her parents was, are both was, famous was a, was actors. A, was a, yeah, and then um, her dad decides she needs to follow in the footsteps and and keep her mother's um, kind of. Well, the, yeah, the way the way she described it at one point, it sounded like her mother was like a failed actress, but she wasn't. Um, no, because because when so, we actually because it's what's actually happening is her dad is assuming that her mom wants Mizusaki to become an actress and is to acting on on that assumption, having <laughs> yeah. a, the Men in Black keep her from making anime. 
yeah um, her mom does not care her mom is like fucking what like just d- doesn't even know that this is happening like doesn't even <laughs> like she like straight up does not even know that the men in black are, are have been assigned to keep her from producing anime <laughs> right. um and healthy so, marriage everybody oh 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 absolutely great job uh, i put too much sugar so, in this tea so uh asakusa and candy money uh help mizusaki escape uh and they uh look at each other's notebooks mizusaki uh is kind of a character artist um she's much she's interested in like people and movement whereas asakusa is like backgrounds and and cons and like world building and yeah um composition and so uh, they, it's also worth they noting do, you, you called her her kind of money which is a joke that shows up a little bit later in the show but it's it's funny in english because her name kanamori is the kanji for gold with the kanji for forest um, uh, I, oh, I specifically said ca- canny money canny money like yeah. ca- like, like canny uh, I, I yeah, I, yeah. I, I i localized it um, <laughs> um much as uh yeah, so this as as pretty much as soon as like we get Mizusaki, I was like, oh, so Mizusaki is basically just the model from a place further than the universe. Yeah, now that she's in high school, and as I forgot about that, and as a place further than the universe, we established. Uh, if you listen to our podcast, we established that it's part of the Evangelion extended universe yes, yeah. because it takes place. Uh, after the, th- the third impact it takes place in the lead up to the third impact oh in the lead up sorry yes so that means obviously. that Izuken is also part of the eva yes uh, it does yeah the other this, there's another extended universe that this movie is a part of and it's the leon the professional extended universe which <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, is very important so for those of you who don't know there's a film uh starring natalie portman and some french guy uh, called Leon the Professional. It's from the nineties. Uh, it was it was her. It was Natalie Portman's first kind of breakthrough role. Major only, yeah. Role. She was like she was like thirteen. Yes, and she plays a little girl. Uh, not like a little girl, but like a like a tween who uh, her family is killed by hitmen for being involved in the mafia, and she. Well, I, I think her dad is a dealer. Yeah, her, her dad the, is like is like has like shady dealings with the mob and yeah. can't keep up with it, and then, and then her whole family gets killed as a result. And then Gary Oldman, who's who's the most insane DEA agent, yes, you've ever met, uh, murders her family, and she's taken in by her neighbor Leon, who is a hitman, hit- and he's a hitman. And the important part of this is that um, Leon the Professional is the movie that makes you want to drink milk. Uh, because Leon fuels all of his murdering by drinking just an impossible amount of milk um, for for one person. And then, like, when he starts training Natalie Portman's character in the ways of murder, he makes her also drink milk. Um, and and Kanamori in this show is just an extreme milk pervert. And I, th- I felt really seen by that aspect of it, because I also... <laughs> drink a lot of milk um i had so I, I i recently moved to los angeles which is part of the reason why this uh episode is a little bit late um but before i moved to los angeles i was living in new york city with uh, a friend of a friend and when i moved into that apartment i said to him oh i drink a lot of milk and he said oh great so do i 
Uh, and then it quickly became clear that we had very different definitions of a lot of milk. Um, because he would buy, I would buy about once a week, like a full gallon of milk. Um, and then he would buy about once every two weeks, like, uh, like a quart of milk. Um, and when I, when I lived with my family, we also went through about a gallon of milk a week, but I assumed that it's like, well, there's three of us. We're all using milk. That must be what it is. And then when I started living on my own, it then became clear that no, I was the one drinking all of that milk the whole time. That milk was for me and I didn't even know it. Uh, so I feel very seen by Kanamori. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Kanamori is 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 like one of the best like characters we've come across in a she's while. She's so she, good. She, she, I, I love she's her so, so much. She, like all the all three of them are great. Like yeah. Asakusa is just a just a obscene gremlin, just just one hundred percent pure gremlin energy. Yeah, um, uh, Asakusa uh, is like like the the sort of person and. Asakusa is a brilliant character in that she is a, a magnificent depiction of a very real kind of person, which is the sort of person who you see on Twitter all the time who, like, is basically cosplaying as a writer. Um, <laughs> I'm about to be very insulting to a number of teenagers on Twitter, so... Uh, buckle up, kids. Buckle up, but, like, it's a person who thinks that what they she's a person who thinks that what she wants to do is tell stories but actually what she wants to do is just explain things to people um, <laughs> oh so kojima the thing about because i was thinking about this because i because I, I, I think what I, I came up with that that phrasing in my head when i was thinking about this um and i i, I thought about hideo kojima uh and then i realized no because in kojima's stories there, he will grind the plot to a halt just so that a guy can explain to you, like, the start nuclear treaty. But also his plots are, like, he has plots and characters that are well-constructed aside from that. Um, <laughs> like, he, he manages to, like, make you care about... He's two about, guys in one. <laughs> yeah, he's two guys in one in that, like, he somehow managed to, like, harness his innate desire to explain things to people and use it to construct really compelling stories um besides the parts where he just grinds it to a halt and the president of the united states explains to you the history of the patriots or whatever the fuck um, <laughs> um doesn't yeah doesn't yeah. really have that second part yeah she she ha and and neither like because like the, the the dichotomy between her and and mizusaki is that asakusa is like a background artist and mizusaki is like a character artist but neither of them care about characters like like neither, as neither of them are, of are, are, are really storytellers yeah like misasaki is ex explicitly at one point says i don't care about like anime per se i care about like the craft of animation animation and uh, and, and yeah but, and so because, neither of them are actually so, really interested in telling a story yeah. insofar as a story is a sequence of events with a plot and characters you know, like, <laughs> yeah, but they're interested so in, like, just, ex it, like, coming up with visual ways to explain their garbage at you. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I mean, Asakusa is the, is, is the one who kind of has that, has the impulse. Yes. Misusaki doesn't really, she d isn't really concerned with, yeah, like, her... She's not she really concerned with the content same... at all. She's just cared about, she, she's concerned about 
Because, like, the thing is, is that she embodies a certain type of animation fan where it's like, oh, the beauty of the movement, oh, the beauty of, of all of this stuff, but doesn't understand that the reason why the movement in animation is important or why it's effective is because of how motion conveys character. Yeah. Um, you know, she is con- she she has her own sort of like personal obsession with the minutia of the way that people and things move. Right. Um, but doesn't is is uninterested in conveying why that matters to people through characters and stories. She just mm-hmm. expects people to see a really well done animation of a girl falling down a hill and be like, "Wow." <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah. And. And Asakusa is just interested in kind of like I mean she's yeah she's just purely interested in world building for the sake of it. Yeah, she is one of those and... people who thinks that world building is a list of facts. Um, <laughs> you know, like like um, one of the most like the most irritating well... type of Twitter writer, which is <laughs> oh is, is the, the sort of person who is convinced that what characterization means is that you have a big list of things that are true about your character. You know, independent of their role in any sort of story or narrative, but you know what their favorite food is, so that's characterization. <laughs> you know, like like this just sort of like ludicrous idea of of what it is to like create a character that people will will find interesting, but like nobody but you cares about all of the details about how your world works uh, or how your characters think. They care yeah. about it insofar as it relates to the plot. And and Asakusa isn't really interested in like um, people building in this sense. She's yeah. interested in kind of uh, she's like when see when we she's when we say she's a background artist, like <laughs> all she's interested really is kind of the yeah. She'll come up with the, an idea for like a machine that she thinks is cool, and she has a bunch of like arcane knowledge about how like lasers and machines and like stuff like that works yeah, but yeah. it doesn't stop her and but she it's 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 really the sort of like it's anime level knowledge in the sense that like it's Hideo Kojima knowledge in the sense that Hideo Kojima knows what uh he knows what um recessive genes and dominant genes are but he doesn't know enough to know that recessive genes aren't inherently bad um, you know, so like he he's he's just like he's he's learned a little bit, misunderstood it, and is just applying it in a nonsense way that anybody who actually knows anything about the subject matter would go, wait a second. Um, you know, it's just just knows just enough to be dangerous. Yeah, and so like very early on in in the show, like Asakusa designs like this this like dragonfly shaped um like helicopter flying machine thing you know and like she has all of these like details and stuff like that about like oh this is why it's signed like this and then you know but when confronted with the fact that like something constructed like this couldn't actually fly she's just like (laughs) uh (laughs) yeah and so and so a constant kind of uh little not conflict I guess conflict. This 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 show is pretty is relatively low conflict. There are problems between them. It's low stakes. And... I wouldn't say it's low conflict. It's it's sort of it's good at constantly giving the characters new problems to deal with. Right, but they they deal with them like pretty effectively. Like they're like kind of like Katamori is always always like fighting with Asakusa trying to get her to focus and work and like keep things on schedule and um 
but it never really boils over. Yeah, like, that's what no... I kept expecting to happen. I, right, I kept right, it, and, and I was sort of disappointed. If I have a disappointment in this show, it is that Asakusa is never forced to confront the fact that her method of working produces garbage and <laughs> makes people miserable. You know, wow. instead, instead, Kanamori just fixes all of their problems and nobody learns anything. Brutal. Uh, like, but I, I, I think, because, like, that's what, that's what this makes me feel, is that it's so stressful, because Asakusa reminds me of myself from, like, five years ago. Um, uh-huh. More than five years ago now. God, I've been making video games for too long. Um, you know, um, but it, and it reminds me of, of just, like, a time in my life when I didn't really know how to make video games, but knew that I wanted to, and had all of these ideas constantly, um, and would try and make them and then fail, and it was just a disaster because I I I, I couldn't focus. I could I I couldn't give not in like an in the ADHD kind of sense. I still struggle with that now, um, but in a sense of like I my ideas would outgrow themselves and become something that was impossible to actually make and now that i know a lot more i have fewer ideas uh but the ideas that i have are better um which is is valuable but like (laughs) you know and and the thing is this this show is adapted from a manga and i don't know how much of the manga it adapts um because the thing is is that the end of the show doesn't really feel very final it Um, doesn't yeah uh and we'll get to that when we get to the end of the show um because so let's let's get back to what happens. So basically, Kanamori is like she says, being, being a famous fashion model making anime sounds like a great way to rake in cash. Um, right. So th- yeah. So, so this is back. Yeah. So we uh, we we stopped summarizing the plot still in the first episode when they when they kind of uh, handshake meme and decide to work together. Yeah. Um, uh, and yeah. So Mizusaki is a model. She's like the cute one but she's also a complete freak in her own way oh yeah uh and in a very like wide-eyed doofus sense which i love uh, um yeah yeah she yeah she gets along with Saxo very very well um but also sort of acts almost as a mediator between kanamori and Asakusa because kanamori gets mad at mizusaki, mizusaki way less right um uh partly because for better or for worse asakusa it has become the like the director yeah because because misasaki uh, doesn't really care about uh, yeah the, about the, what the, she draws the, you know she right, doesn't care about right. the setting or any of that or the story or that stuff she just wants to be drawing and animating and like making movement like she wants to be doing that sort of stuff and so she'll leave she's totally willing to leave all of the like high level creative decisions up to asakusa yeah and so a lot of and so a lot of the um kind of conflicts not between not internally internally it's yeah it's mostly trying to kind of uh there's there's a great line um where yeah i think asakusa says like uh something about the finished product being the outcome of passion crashing his compromise and resignation yeah uh and so that's kind of what the internal kind of character dynamics are externally it's it's often about uh, them trying to kind of fighting for the right of their club to exist in a school that really doesn't want it to. That, but uh, also I was thinking of their interaction with the robot club, where like the yeah. robot club has like there's there's one freak in the robot club who's very much like a Asakusa in just yeah. 
complete like even worse uh, than Asakusa because he doesn't have the skills to back up his nonsense <laughs> like yeah imagination brain worms uh, and so it's so there's one bit when they're making a anime like with the robot club where they're trying to trying to balance both of their completely out of control imaginations um yeah um but yeah like and 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 i think if i like this the conflict between the club and and the and outside of the club is mostly about like differing expectations for what the club is supposed to be doing versus like yeah. the the expectations that the club has for itself um yeah because at the very beginning when they found the club like there already is an anime club yeah uh, but so, so they, what so they've they... technically found is a film club which is what Izolkin <laughs> means it's film research club um yeah. which this okay this this is i i finally know enough japanese to be mad about uh decisions made in subtitling um <laughs> because so this show and i i don't i don't know why this show is called keep your hands off Izolkin because Izolkin means film club and it, when you say it like like they do in the title, it implies that Izolkin is a person's name because in English that word needs an article before it. It needs to be keep right, your hands off right. the film club. But there's no there's no article in the Japanese sentence because there's no articles in Japanese. Um, so you don't you don't need one. But in English you need one, and if you don't have one, it makes it sound like it's a person's name or a proper noun or something like that. Yeah. Before I knew anything about the show, I assumed that was a character. Yeah. And I, yeah, it's, and like the subtitles consistently translate Izolkin as Izolkin when it's, it's not like it's a difficult word to translate. It just, it's just film club. We have those in America. We like, we, I know what a film club is. You don't need to like use the Japanese word for it and make it confusing. Yeah. You know, just enough to be dangerous. I do know just enough to be dangerous. I knew just enough to be driven crazy and wonder and just wonder like, why did they do this? Um, the opening song though the, does the it, opening sequence great. fucking whips it's, it's, a, it's uh, a it's a it is a bop it is so good i that was the, the only thing that i'd seen about this show before apart from the screenshot of kanamori saying there's nothing fun about social media it was that and the opening sequence that were going around because everybody's talking about how good it was and it is it's very good um uh so yeah so they go to start a new club for anime there's already an anime club that exists and then kanamori shows off her her primary skill which is she can conjure words out of the ether and destroy anyone in a few short sentences uh, uh until she meets her match uh the school council secretary <laughs> uh and they yeah their dynamic is great and we'll, we can talk we can talk more about yeah. it later yeah because so like asakusa asks like do you really think that they're gonna let us start a new club for anime when one already exists that's my impression of asakusa uh, and Kanamori says, "I'll settle that issue with money or violence if it comes to that." <laughs> yeah, she, she can she can browbeat almost anyone. Um, so yeah, so they go in and they browbeat the guy who's in charge of clubs, and he lets them. And he, he's like, "Oh, well, you'll need an advisor." And this dude walks by. I feel like this dude must have been like this dude must be a bigger character in the manga than he is in this show because he's fucking. He's a character. He's an enigma. <laughs> Uh, so he's just this dude. He's like he's like always looking up at the ceiling and stroking his beard and complaining about how his beard feels heavy. Um, and he's like, maybe if I become a club advisor, it'll make my beard feel less heavy. Um, uh, the other thing is that 
Okay, so yeah, so that's that's basically what happens in the first episode. There's also, so there's a number of sequences in this show where you get these sort of like sketchy, like sort of storyboard looking sequences integrated with like the characters that like show like the inside of Asakusa's like imagination. Um, and, and also Mizusaki. I keep calling her Mizusaki she because that's what they call her in the show. They, <laughs> they consistently use the honorific she, uh, which is a weird honorific. Uh, it just, it's just, it's just, it's like, like, Miss Mizusaki, right? Uh, Mizusaki, she is so like, she is what you'll like append to somebody. It, like, I know in formal Japanese writing, you append she to somebody's name if like you, if they're like a stranger and then you use she to refer to them instead of using their name. Um, uh, okay. uh, I think it's, the rules are slightly different in spoken Japanese, but it's, it's, it's like, she just kind of means like somebody. Uh, okay. uh, as like, opposed to like, it's because, is it because she's like a public figure almost? I think so. I think they, I think that's that's why they call her Misakisaki car- is because like yeah, she's she's famous. Asakusa calls uses kun for Kanamori. Yes, Kanamori kun. Um, yeah, or like yeah, whereas like Miss, Mrs. Misasaki would be Misasaki san. Oh yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so they form they form the they form the club. Uh, Kanamori, I have a bunch of screenshots. Uh, of Katamori browbeating this poor guy is like not to mention how a teacher infringing on students' right to organize for legitimate activities without a proper reason is a matter worth bringing up to the PTA and the Board of Education. And, and then he walks away dejected and is like, "Man, kids are scary nowadays." <laughs> um, so then we start. Um, uh, so then we start actually working on the a- the anime because they so they get a club room which is just like a big like tin building out in the out in like a field somewhere um yeah. and the other thing that this this show reminds me of this this can't be my book recommendation because it's too short but i will recommend it here which is uh the anime club by casey green which was a a series <laughs> of five comics that he did for um uh for his his old web comic gun show and it is fucking hilarious uh and reminds me of this show a lot <laughs> um uh, episode two is also when I noticed, finally noticed Kanamori's backpack, and she has this like oh, yeah. she has this like bizarre backpack that is like two Converse All Stars like stuck together. I don't. It's. Yeah, I don't know I, why. It's yeah. It's so weird. I kept hoping. I like. I knew it was never going to be explained, but I kept waiting for it to be explained. Um, because it's so it, it's so wacky compared to like Kanamori's like normal personality. Uh. But yes, so, so then they start, um, so they, they start hanging out in this club room and start trying to set it up to make animation. They, they gather, they get some equipment from the old anime club, um, back when the anime club used to make anime. And so they have like in like one of those, like, like a bunch of like animation desks and like one of those like big things that they make, like machines they use to like mount a camera in to like take pictures of the layered animation cells. Um, and they start working on the show and Asakusa falls off of the balcony in the tin in this like warehouse building and, and eats shit and it's hilarious. Um, yeah, cause she's too, she's too busy in her head about some bizarre, uh, situation that yeah. she doesn't notice she's falling and then she falls and then Kanamori films it and laughs and laughs and laughs. And then Kanamori decides to sell it on the gray market so that it can be shown by a news station um and and uh they get paid thirty thousand yen for it 
um, which they use to like repair like the walls of the building because the building is, is collapsed. This great bit where they all they all kneel down in front of like a little plastic bag containing the last few hundred yen, and they're like a moment of silence for our late comrade, the thirty thousand yen. <laughs> and like that seems like a lot of money to pay for just like some gag footage. Uh, thirty thousand yen would be like three hundred dollars. Yeah. Um, like, I feel like these days, like, news, wait, for what? News shows don't even bother to pay. They just see something on Twitter and take it. Um, uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> like, like, I, I this, it's something where it's like, I wonder if this is a thing in Japan and it's not a thing outside of Japan. Um, maybe. Because, like, obviously in the US, like, you'll at most get a message on Twitter being like, hi, I'm from CNN. Can we use this clip? And you say no, and then they use it anyway. <laughs> right, exactly. Journalism. Um, Oh yeah. Um so yeah, so they 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 start working on um this is like this is like episode 3 ish. Mm-hmm. Um where they start they start working on the repairs and stuff like that and they say they say goodbye to their comrade the 30,000 yen. Um we also get a glimpse of what Kanamori orders for lunch from the cafeteria which is two bottles of milk, seven croquettes <laughs> and one red bean bun with smooth paste. Yeah, which what is a legend. Yeah, that is like that is like Big Smoke's order from GTA San Andreas. Like that's just, <laughs> it's just like wow. Well, yeah, they are they are truly all freaks. Yeah, um, I would also if I were at that if if I if I had a school cafeteria that allowed me to order two bottles of milk, seven croquettes, and one red bean bun with smooth paste, I would order that every day. Maybe not every day, but like once a week at least. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so they repair this this stuff, and then, um, and then when uh, Mizusaki and Asakusa get stuck on the roof, and go into their dream realm, and pretend they're repairing a spaceship. Oh yeah, um, yeah. There's this just like amazing sequence of Kanamori. She's like she's like assembling some desks downstairs, and then she hears them shouting, and for some reason. Like, somebody at Science Saru decided to spend a month on that animation of Kanamori standing up because it's beautiful. Um, <laughs> I need to... I, 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 I have a clip that. of it um, that I will send you. Um, okay. <laughs> somewhere. Or it's, I have one definitely on my Mastodon page i posted it when i saw it because it like the whole sequence is is excellent because she she like she, she like gets up and she's like all right i'm coming and then she realizes like she she'd been assembling the desks right in front of the door so they're blocking her exit which is a huge fire hazard um, oh right and then she like looks around and she tries to push the desks out of the way and she can't do it and then she decides that the most effective way to get uh asakusa and mizusaki <laughs> off of the roof is to bust oh, through the wall like the fucking kool-aid man <laughs> Um, okay, I just saw I just saw the her getting up. That is a whole that is a whole that is a whole journey. Yeah. Um, so she she like and so she like just runs there's and it's like intercut with this like sequence that looks like it's like a storyboard for like 2001 a space odyssey where she like gets into her spaceship and she like you know prepare prepares to launch and then what what launching looks like is she busts through the wall of the building that they're in and then grabs the ladder and then slams it up against the wall and it's like just to find that they've already gotten themselves it's a moment it was that i think moment when i realized that this show wasn't going to be about like 
Kanamori taking advantage of them. Like, it wasn't going to be that sort of thing where, like, she was going to yeah. have to, like, come to, like, terms with, like, the fact that, like, she was just using them for their money or they're, they're, that was never going to be a conflict because it, it it made it obvious that Katamori actually really cares about these two goobers and that her yeah. her her posturing about like only do only being in it for the money and all that stuff is is all just it's it's more or less all just talk and she actually like really cares about the stuff that they make yeah. um um you know, because that was another thing that I was expecting to happen when I first started this was I was expecting like the conflict yeah, to she, be because she acts so mercenary that yeah you, yeah in, you the, in, in that first be, episode yeah. like she's very sort of like you see it like dawn on her head like oh we can make a lot of money this way and part of what I was expecting to happen was for her to realize that there's no money in animation <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah uh, and so um, yeah so so they have their little their little space adventure and then they realize they need to um put together a presentation in order to get um actually get funding speaking of money and so they decide to make a little a weird little short about a machete (laughs) a machete wielding girl wearing a gas mask fighting a tank yeah as one does so another example of just like asakusa's all her ideas getting mashed together yeah like none of this matters like there's no (laughs) there's no that that five minute short is honestly maybe the best one of them because think, at the very least I think so yeah at, at the very least we do have a sense of this character and what they want which right. like is more than you have for any of the other ones especially <laughs> the last one yeah um, the last one we'll talk about the last one yeah um, but like yeah like this is the closest that any of their shorts come to having an actual character in them who has like a desire um, yeah. We, was on the podcast we talked about kind of like uh it was yeah i mean last month's episode of the podcast we talked about david mamet uh right yeah david mamet and and like yeah this is all you need to kind of like set up conflict like this girl with her gas masks needs to fucking wreck this tank yeah i yeah like Like, i easy peasy i complain all the time about what about people who have weird ideas about what characterization is and and that characterization is not just a character with a list of interesting things about them here's how you do characterization i'm telling you so that nobody else has to you need to figure out what your character wants what is in their way and what they do to get around what is in their way that's it and that figuring out those three things will give you all of the details about your character that you need everything else is superfluous unless their favorite food is relevant because they use milk to power their assassinations (laughs) then it doesn't matter. You don't have to put it in your movie or your book or your anime or your video game. You just need to figure out those three things. What they want, what's in their way, how they deal with the obstacles in their way. Okay? Congratulations. Now you have no excuse for being as bad at writing as you are. Um, (laughs) Tough love. um, I I don't remember the context of this. I think this is like part of a montage where like they're like working on the 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 short and like Kanamori like walks in in the middle of the like late at night and Asakusa and Mizusaki are just like in an inflatable raft on the ottoman in and, and growing <laughs> yeah. for some reason <laughs> yeah there a lot of the montages yeah. involve Kanamori just walking in on them doing something completely ridiculous. I forget I also forget what this Kanamori line was in in response to, but it is it's a very good it's a very good, very Kanamori thing to say where she just says, Are you getting enough oxygen to your brain? 
<laughs> oh yeah, then there's, there's yeah, there's another time when after they meet with the art club and Asakusa like freaks out trying to like explain and defend her ideas. Uh, and Mizusaki is like, where did Asaka, Asaka go? And Kanemori is like, she had to go um, re-oxygenate her depleted brain. <laughs> um, but yeah, like when when uh, they're talking about pitching like this five minute short, Kanemori says something that this this is something that like really spoke to me as a person who has recently launched a kick who recently launched and wrapped up a Kickstarter, which is uh, she says we need to make the, a big impact with the least effort possible. Our goal is to overwhelm the committee and secure funding along with a promotion to club status. Um, <laughs> uh, and they're like, and and Mizusaki's like, oh, I want to take the time to make something good. And and Kanemori's like, easily said, we only have fifty five days to finish it. Um, Damn, you know, yeah. and like this show, like I. I've, I've never had we i don't think i've ever watched a show for this podcast that has had a clearer purpose for existing um than than this one <laughs> in the sense that like this show it's very much a show that i can imagine i don't i don't know if if this show was popular enough in japan that it will actually inspire like kids to go and make anime um <laughs> but it definitely feels like that's why it was made is to be like we want to show kids what it's like to do to make animation and we want to encourage them to do it but we also want to give them a realistic picture of what it is actually like working at an animation studio and we're going to do that through this sort of like wacky lens of like a high school yeah. film club but um you know so like they start off they do that first five minute short basically they they do it entirely traditionally like they do or they do line art on cells and then they digitally color it um and then as they as they sort of start working more and more, their process basically comes to exactly resemble the process that Science Saru uses to produce anime. Uh, <laughs> uh, of this sort of like yeah. hybrid of because uh, like Science Saru and there Science Saru does some amazing work in terms of like it looks really really good and it's astonishingly cheap to make and they can do it really fast. Um, and they do, they do a very similar sort of thing of like a lot of the time they'll traditionally hand animate on cells and color it digitally or color it on cells and then composite that with digital backgrounds, um, which allows them to get some of the advantages of traditional cell animation, but along with some of the, some of the benefits of 3d animation, which is why they're so much better at blending 2d and 3d animation and using 3d tech in anime than fucking anybody else um yeah. you know it's it's uh and and this show honestly it's it's kind of maybe the roughest looking in this show uh, compared to other science story stuff that i've seen um mm. there's definitely uh, there's definitely a, a more shots in this show where I, I look at and I'm like, oh, the compositing isn't super great there. Like, you know, it doesn't feel like a coherent world. It, fe it feels like in other anime with like 3D elements and stuff like that, where it's like it feels like paper cutouts on, uh, you know, like a, a computer generated background instead of like a coherent image. Um, yeah, we I mean, we talked, especially when we've watched uh, Ping Pong, but, all, but mm. when we've watched other Masaki Yuasa's slash science story stuff how kind of distinctive yeah. the style is and and i think yeah i think this is one of the ones that's less kind of i i think in one of the other episodes i i think we were watching devil man and i was like 
it doesn't look like ping pong or nice short or whatever but you can tell it's yeah you, it couldn't be anyone else this, like yeah Masaki like Yuasa. in this one it could be someone else yeah this is the first science arrow show that i've ever seen that could have been made by that could have been directed by somebody other than Masaki Yuasa. you know like yeah. like you could you know it still, it looks, still looks it does better. it looks good it's it's you know yeah it still looks better than most in yeah. modern animation um, um but yeah, speaking of it as kind of a vehicle for, like, introducing a new generation to anime, um, I mentioned mostly as a joke because I didn't rewatch Shirabako, mm. uh, but that it was it was supplementary reading, and like, at least comparing the two, this one is much more about kind of the creative process yeah and how to like how the artists work and compromise whereas shirobako is much more about kind of the broader context of the industry yeah and and working within the industry and less about the kind of directly the yeah this show is very much about the process of animation more so than it is about like the animation industry um, yeah, which is why it's set in high school. Yeah, like where, when, where, when the premise where, of the show, when I first found out about the, when the show first aired and people were talking about it and I looked up like what it was about, um, I was like, I was so curious, like how is this show going to narratively like justify high schoolers having like the equipment and budget to like make anime? And then I remember, <laughs> oh right, in Japan, schools actually care about clubs and fund them. <laughs> right, right. Um yeah, so it's not really a, so they get the money to kind of have like a bare bones like setup, and so it's not it's not really it's not meant to be kind of any sort of analog or parallel to like the industry. And uh, there's one conversation that uh, Kanamori has with the student body president uh, Shawande, where she, she the the secretary is like, uh, it's a whole different world outside school. And and so, yeah, part of the reason why this is set in high school is kind of isolated from, like, having to talk about the industry and, and focusing more narrowly on, um, on the, the, like, the creative process. And, and, which is not to say that it's just, yeah. like, it's about compromises within the creative process. There are still yeah. deadlines and there's still money. Uh, but uh, Shirobako isn't as good as this mm. it's, it's also cute and nice uh, but and i think it's an interest i think it's interesting to watch as a contrast but what i um, what i would assume about shirobako having not seen it is that it's sort of in the same category as like new game or like like the general like genre of anime and manga that is just cute girls doing cute things not uh, not quite it's not that bad uh, uh, i don't mean like, that so derisively but uh, <laughs> uh i mean have you seen any of like pa work stuff no. like uh hanasaka iroha nope I, I i've talked about them yeah yeah i mean they're they're, they're kind of like slice of life set in a specific context and yeah. so um but yeah it's not it's not it's not in the mold of new game which is yeah. <laughs> which is new game yeah um yeah like there's another slightly relevant conversation like or like joke that that isn't really a joke which is like while so like early on when they're like testing out the animation equipment and like developing their sort of animation pipeline um they decide to like do an animation of this like windmill that's like out back 
of the club building. Um, oh yeah. And uh, Asakusa and Mizusaki are like working on it, and they like they're like starting to realize just how much work this is going to be. And Mizusaki is like animators for getting paid how much for each drawing, and Asakusa is like we're not getting paid anything, Mizusaki. <laughs> um, so yeah, so they yeah it's it, it, yeah so it's a, at least at the beginning like kind of a running gag is that Mizusaki has no idea how money works because yeah. her parents are rich. Yeah. And I, uh, again, oh, like, of... like they, they introduce that sort of conflict of, like, that she is so different from these other two, but it never amounts to anything. Right, um, yeah. I was I was surprised at kind of the, at, at the very, very low level of interpersonal conflict. Yeah. Uh, um, that, that you know, and, and again, like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a lot more to the manga than is shown in the anime. And, like, this anime only showcases, oh, sure. like, the first, like, three arcs or so. Um, yeah. And that, that stuff does come up later on. Um, because it feels like such an obvious thing in the sense that like, it's sort of the, the obvious character conflict at the core of the show is Asakusa learning how to be creative in a way with other people for an audience, you know, like, as opposed to the way the sort of more freeform way that she's used to being creative and learning. And like, that is, that is sort of the character conflict at the core of the show. And then you also have this sort of other, like super obvious conflict of like, Oh, Mizusaki is like super rich and is different from these other people. Um, right. You know, like. But it, but that, yeah, but that's only really um, played on in terms of her father being against her. Yeah. Being and an it's occasionally used yeah. for jokes and it's how they get their couch, you know, like. It's, 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 <laughs> right. It's occasionally used, but it's, it's never really made all that plot important. Yeah. Um, so, like, they finish, so they, 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 they crunch and crunch and crunch to work on this this five minute long short oh yeah so in episode four we get introduced to some of the school clubs uh so like they, they have to like give a presentation in front of the student council to like convince them to give them <laughs> oh yeah and we yeah, are introduced yeah, the carbohydrates revolution to group. the carbohydrates revolution group uh who have created an amoeba an, ami- an amiibo an amoeba uh <laughs> And they have found a way to make the miso soup in the, in the cafeteria taste more mild. And somebody in the crowd shouts, I like the rich flavor, dumbass. Yeah, the, 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 the clubs they make up are so good. Yeah, I am. Yeah, all of the, like, that's the part where it feels most, it reminds me the most of, like, the Tatami Galaxy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. In particular, but also to a certain extent, Night is Short Walk On Girl, which, like, um, uh, I didn't take a screenshot of that when the student council has their like board of all the infractions of the various clubs. Yeah, did you take a screenshot I of that bit? Maybe took a screenshot of that bit, but <laughs> I, I that I definitely remember that bit. And I when I was when I was watching it, I was thinking about the library police from that is short on girl. Oh yeah, uh, and their like massive surveillance board that like keeps track of like the personal habits of every student at Kyoto University. Um, yeah, and so in, in in this one we get the yeah the the, the security club, <laughs> just like these this fucking SWAT team that goes around doing this student council's bidding. Um, uh, and then near the very end we see this the like the German insane clown posse club. Yeah, I. <laughs> jogging on campus on a sunday and like the vice principal is there she's like oh good morning and they're like oh hi y'all yeah it's... oh no no they say they no, they speak german they're yes fine. they say yeah they say good morning <laughs> uh, um yeah so the student council is like as it stands the izokin is basically a public enemy 
And depending on how this goes, you might even get shut down. And then we get the scene that is exactly the same as the like jazz concert scene from uh, uh, Kids on the Slope. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, where they like they show off this like crappy five minute long animation that they made of this girl fighting a tank, and everybody loses their fucking minds about it. Um, which is another another sort of thing. This is uh, perhaps the only way in which this show is like Carol and Tuesday. Um, <laughs> or honestly, like this show kind of has the same relationship to Carolyn Tuesday that Porco Rosso has to Redline, and that this show is doing what Carolyn Tuesday was trying to do, but way better. Right. Um, right. In the sense that it's like about like the creative process and struggle and all of that sort of stuff. Um, and and I would say that the animations in this show, one, it's fascinating to watch this show try and display an animation within an animation and like convey to the audience us that like that the animation is an in-universe two-dimensional animation and not something actually happening in the world uh which the way that they do that is by removing all the outlines off of the anime that the aizoken produces so that it's visually right, distinct right. from the like actual animated like the diegetic world. It, um, it must have been so interesting to like do the do like the yeah, these like meta animations. Yeah. Because the other thing is of course that they're supposed to be sort of like rough and ready animations made by a group of like precocious high schoolers. Um yeah. and I wonder like like what their process was like for making that stuff. Right. Um, right. In a way that like sort of felt realistic. Uh, but yeah but like they remove the outlines which makes it clear what isn't isn't supposed to be like in universe anime but also has the effect of making the in universe anime look kind of crappy <laughs> uh, i mean it's, it's it's a style it's like, a style it just kind of like, looks bad <laughs> because yeah because it's not really kind of um... it makes you appreciate outlines um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they show they they show the five minutes short, and it, it goes everything goes nuts. Um, yeah, and then the student council yeah. grinds their teeth and bows to the public outcry. So yeah, the the uh, kids of the slope comparison you were making was that was the like their first concert, right? Where it's just like the sound system breaks yeah. and just these two nerds go up and start doing a little jazz yeah. Yeah. freestyle, and everyone loses their gourd. Yeah, because um, it's yeah. it's like. Uh, and it's it's something that I have a problem with whenever in anything that's sort of like this about like the creative process because it's 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 sort of necessary for the plot for people to like what they make but it's so unrealistic that people are going to like the first thing that you make um, <laughs> you know like because like if 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 the short went over poorly or if they failed to finish it or whatever then they have to come up with some sort of justification for why the club continues to exist after failing at its only job um which is difficult so obviously (laughs) they're going to do something else they're going to make it so that people actually like the short they made but like this is something that i i like it's a really common saying about creative stuff at this time i first heard it from from ira glass the host of the npr show this american life um about like he he has this like bit about like how like when you when you start off as a writer um you get into writing you want to write because you have good taste you know like because you know what you like and you and you you care about this stuff really deeply you know and you 
you you have an appreciation for the art form that makes you want to participate in it um but appreciating something is different from uh actually doing it and so when you sit down and you go to write a story um you come away because your your taste is still killer and you know what's good and what's bad you come away and you look at what you've written and you know that it's garbage you know you know that (laughs) what that despite all of your knowledge of how of, of the way that this stuff works and the way that that people you know despite all of your knowledge of what is good and is bad despite you still, all your rage you still produced trash um, in a cage <laughs> and Sorry. the only way around that is to just keep making stuff until eventually your skills catch up with your taste and you start being at least kind of happy with what you're making yeah um you know. Of course, your taste improves, and then yeah. So it's kind of a, oh yeah, then you're in you're in hell forever. Um, oh for sure. Never do anything creative, kids. Just get a job at an insurance company and die in front of your television. Uh, <laughs> you know, but like I, what I if this like this is the first show that I've we I, we've watched for this podcast that I've ever wished was longer. Mm. Um, which is is uh, to make me me <laughs> wish that something was longer is an insane accomplishment um you know even stuff that i like i generally wind up being kind of tired of by the end of it um but um you know like what i wanted to see was more like sort of creative growth um and there is in the sense that like they start off making a five minute short and then they make a 20 minute short and then they make a 30 minute short um but in terms of like being able to make something that's more meaningful and like connects with audiences on a level beyond just wow cool robot they don't grow at all you know they are still by the time that they're making this 30 minute short it's 30 minutes of wow cool robot you know it's it's not yeah i mean there's a there's an attempt to like have it have it say something but yeah it, it doesn't let's be honest no it's it's a failure um and and it would be and like the thing is is that like the failure would be cool if the show grappled with it at all um yeah yeah but it's like at at, at best it's like this is still this like uh asakusa's thing is like whenever she finishes something she's like hmm still room for improvement but then uh, she never improves which is, yeah i mean i mean technically maybe they do but like yeah, yeah it, as as in uh in the ways that i think we care about yeah in, in in terms of making anime that's actually compelling to a general audience that like because that that's sort of the thing about this show that i found the least believable was that anybody would buy a dvd of this <laughs> you know that like that like anybody would like you know you watch it and well, that's it's like why, oh that's, it's it's, that's, it's that's, cool and impressive because it's made by high school students like you know it's not bad or anything like that but i wouldn't pay for it that's why kanamori uh plays up uh mizusaki's involvement yeah so all her all her simps by the dvd which makes it slightly more believable because um, <laughs> uh, i i will buy that uh i'll buy that for a dollar that a bunch of of simps will, will purchase. <laughs> you're unwilling to say that word <laughs> I can just feel it we've said it in two episodes in a row now and we need to stop or the police are going to stop us 
Um, so yeah, so in episode five, uh, we we meet a giant robot. Hell yeah! Asakusa sees a giant robot uh, and then goes and gets Mizusaki and takes her to look at the giant robot, and that's gone. Um, <gasps> and then um, like some people walk in on on like them spying on where the robot once was, and and Asakusa like d- jumps out of the window. Uh, and Mizusaki gets gets caught by the by the dashly people with the giant robot, and you know Asakusa is like you know she's all alone uh, on a gray day, and she's like, I thought this was going to be giant robot sci-fi, but now it's got the scent of robot crime instead. Uh, and so she she sneaks around a little bit, and then she happens upon the room with the giant robot in it, uh, and sees um, uh, and sees Mizusaki just like hanging and and um, and Kanamori hanging out with this giant robot. And she's like, oh no, they've got them, they've brainwashed them. Um, and then she gets hit in the face with a, a water bottle rocket, uh, and and then the robot club members see that she's there, and she's like, oh, there you are. We're we're producing a promotional short for the robot club. Um, and so that's sort of the second arc of this thing is that they're producing a 20 minute promotional short based on the, the robot club at the school, which, uh, is a club that builds a model giant robot. Uh, it's like big for a model, but not big for a giant robot. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's also this like weird monologue that this guy gives about, uh, guy from the robot club gives it's like it's extremely like we haven't played metal gear solid 3 yet on the stream we'll get there but it's extremely like the bit in metal gear solid 3 where we learn about like the the philosophers and and stuff like that because it's kind of like and although it's undergone modifications it dates back over 100 years the robot club's roots can be traced back to the late 1800s before anyone knew what a robot was with a collection of individuals who studied french culture and were fascinated with the future <laughs> eve with the dawn of the 1900s japan created asia's first robot gaku tensoku you know and he just like goes on like this yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so they agree to produce this promotional short for the Robot Club, and so they go. Uh, Asakusa convinces them to go into this giant underground pit, um, <laughs> and and she's like, "This underground pit is supposed to predate the school's construction." And Katamori's like, "Why exactly?" And she's like, "Oh, they built it beforehand to make it easier to maintain pipes and the like." Um, <laughs> Uh, so they go down into the super dark thing, and Asakusa is is scared of the dark. She has like a headlamp and a flashlight, and she's carrying a stick <laughs> around. Uh, and uh, and so they decide to set the giant robot short in this underground zone, uh, and like on the school's campus, um, and have like a, a giant like crab pistol, a, a crab toll, as they call it, uh, <laughs> which is a a turtle. That is also a crab and also a shrimp because it has, you know how like pistol shrimps can like close their claws really fast to create cavitation bubbles and stun prey. Um, so it has that oh, ability. That's a, oh, oh, that's one. That's one of their things. Uh, yeah, people people went nuts about the pistol shrimp because like five or six years ago, because there was a uh, comic on. Remember theoatmeal.com? dot com? Uh, oh God. Yeah, remember remember when theoatmeal.com created viral content about pistol shrimps? Uh, or well, it was actually about the mantis I don't, shrimp because yeah. the mantis shrimp is is a kind of pistol shrimp. It has all that stuff, but the mantis shrimp has this extra special ability because it has a bunch of extra cones in its eyes, so it can see more colors. Oh. Uh, it has sixteen cones as opposed to our Shit. puny three cones. Um, That's a lot of colors. It's a lot of colors, and it's a fucking shrimp, so it doesn't even know what it's what it's what it's getting. <laughs> It doesn't know how good it's got it. Anyway, 
so yeah, so they decide on this this cave thing, and then um, then they go and have a meeting with the robot club. Um, it's, it's a whole thing. it's a whole thing because they they present like their concept for what the robot's gonna look like, and then the guy from the robot club is like so mad about it because he wants it to, and he like doesn't know what he wants because he's like, no, it needs to be more realistic, and and then they're like, but. And then they, they basically come to the point where it's like <laughs> robots well, aren't realistic. giant robots piloted by humans aren't realistic. Like that's never going to be, that's not something that exists. It can't exist because it's a stupid idea. Uh, it's cool, which is why we draw cartoons about it. Uh, and then they all, um, Kanamori is about to like go into like full negotiator mode. And then Asakusa bursts out in tears and she's like, I want to travel on the fridges of space. I cry in the bath every night about how big the universe is. And then Misaki also starts crying. I says, I try to do a Hadouken every night before bed. Um, and then the guy from the anime club is like, I like to imagine I'm in a cockpit when I'm on the toilet. Um, Kanamori is like, what the fuck? Yeah, Kanamori says, I have huge problems with people who solve problems with emotional appeals. Uh, but now they're all on the same page in that they're they're all huge anime dorks. Um, and then they, uh, they, they come up with a, a robot design there. They're happy with it. It's got like a chainsaw arm. It's, it's cool. Um, and, uh, yes. And so then we, we find out about, they, they're, they're also, the robot club is also working on an opening theme for the, for the anime, uh, which is a great bit of, of the guy from the anime club. And he's like gest- gesticulating furiously in front of a whiteboard that says greatest, strongest robot song. <laughs> So yes, so then Kanamori takes them all out to dinner, um, at which is is uncharacteristic of her. Uh, And and Asakusa's like, nothing is scarier than a free meal from the yakuza. Um, (laughs) um, (laughs) Right, and Kanamori she orders this like super spicy ramen and then like passes out on the floor before it arrives. And then she like suddenly gets and then like Asakusa is like talking about like. Oh, like I, you know, I, I hope we we manage to complete this this you know this anime or whatever, and then Kanamori like gets up off the ground and it's like completion isn't our goal; it's a predetermined outcome. And then she starts furiously <laughs> shoveling pasta, shoveling noodles into her mouth, and she's like, "We're not starting production; we've already started." And Asakusa is like holding on to her stuffed bunny. Is like that's a terrifying way to eat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Asakusa's this little bunny that she like holds up when she's scared. It's so cute. Oh yeah, I do have a screenshot of the the board with all of the clubs and their their complaints on them. Okay, good. Uh, so yeah, there's the Akihabara Culture Group and Fermented Foods Advocacy Club, which has odor complaints. Uh, <laughs> Drone Photography Club, which is invasion of privacy. Messenger Pigeon Club, forgery of school documents. Carbohydrates <laughs> Revolution Lab, dangerous protest activities. Sound Club, ignored order to vacate. Lure Appreciation Club, prohibited deals. Neue Deutsche Harte Club, which is the the IC the German ICP. Uh, noise complaints, saw table tennis, destruction of equipment, man-faced fish <laughs> investigation lab, incitement of other students, and exterior club, exp- excessive spending on renovations. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. Uh, Good stuff. Insane clubs are always funny. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, also funny is Asaka's little turtle mode when she gets overwhelmed. She'll, like, 
pull up her her shirt and, and like around her like her collar around like her, her eyes and a little bunny and she turns into yeah and a, she pulls she pulls in like, her bucket hat <laughs> turns into a little worm it's, yeah it's very cute um so yeah so then they they decide they need they need some sound effects for this new anime so they go and meet with the mm-hmm. sound club uh, which is this like big room full of sound recordings, and they talk about how like normally when you're indicating the season in anime, you have cicadas in summer, bell crickets in fall, and dogs howling at night in winter. Not a lot of variety, right? But here we've got seventy-two different takes of the sounds of Kagon Falls. <laughs> uh, yeah, with like every every like like combination of like season and weather. Yeah, uh, and yeah, so like the sound club. Um, is is a, a very cool part. What what is her name? Domeki. Uh, uh, Domeki. Uh, she's yeah, she's great. Yeah. Um, and she's the a, only member. A, a new a, a, a new freak emerges. A new freak emerges. She's great. Um, and her her name Domeki is written with the kanji for hundred eye demon, uh, which is pretty fucking <laughs> oh, cool because yeah. they have a conversation because like. Uh, she's like, oh, what's your name? Oh, Domeki. And that's kind of an unusual name. So uh, Asakusa is like, oh, how do you write that? And then <laughs> Domeki's like, with a kanji for a hundred eye demon. <laughs> and Asakusa's like, that's so cool. That's so cool. And But when they first meet Domeki's like, everyone knows that anarchist street gangs, the Yakuza, violent criminals, and the Aizoukin are public enemies. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, the way they get her on board is that... Uh, her, her, she's the only member of her club, and uh, because it's not like enough members for it to be a real club anymore, she's been ordered to vacate. But she's taking up four different rooms with all her recordings, uh, and so and so, kind of Mori go, goes and makes her an offer she can't refuse, which is that she can store all her recordings in the Izuken, and in in return, she has to help him out as as their like audio engineer. Uh, we also learned that working on a robot anime means having to commit all kinds of crimes. Oh yeah, I did take a screenshot of that. Um, <laughs> Mizusaki is so happy when she says that. Yeah. Um, and Kanamori says, uh, you know, gives gives Saki some advice, which is, listen here, the project is only in trouble if you think it's in trouble. It's got nothing to do with anyone else. Your only choice here is to try the kind of robot that you would be satisfied with, because this is Asakusa is like freaking out about because she's not yeah, happy with yeah. the design of the robot. Um, because she thinks it's too complicated and it's not realistic. Um, uh, and she's like, I won't be particular about the final product as long as it's done in time for the culture festival. But if the finished product is some boring piece of crap, piece of crap, that's your responsibility because you're the director. And Asakusa, yeah. like, she like stands up in her in her seat on the sofa and then stands on the arms of the sofa and then the sofa tips backwards <laughs> and she eats shit. <laughs> and it just stays there and draws for two hours. <laughs> Um, and so then they start they start talking with the art club, um, where because they need to enlist some people to do to help with the background so that they can have everything done in time for uh, the culture festival. And so Asakusa, uh, uh, did I take any screenshots of this? Because there's there's a sequence. Uh, okay, yeah. So I don't think I took any screenshots of this, but yeah, there's a great sequence where she's like they're like talking with the, the art club about like the backgrounds that Asakusa is like having to like explain everything and it's, it's she's like just like having a freaking conniption trying to express like what she wants out of the backgrounds uh, and then like, like the, the backgrounds come back and then like they're 
incorrect like they're bad like they they drew things that they in places where they're not supposed to be drawn or stuff that's that needs to be animated so it can't be drawn in the background or did the lighting wrong yeah you know and she's like all sorts of crap yeah you know she'll be like oh the lighting the sun is coming from this side which is the west which means this is the sunset over the the thing is set at sunrise you know and then but then she's like oh well doing it myself is fixing it myself is faster than explaining how to fix it Um, (laughs) you know um, and Kanemori's, you know, a director needs to be able to give directions to other artists. You're supposed to be helping with animation, handling the photography on top of the edit, you know. Um, and so, so Asakusa agrees to to send it back to the art club and explain to them. Uh, and then we get bathhouse scene, uh, bathhouse the least scene. erotic bathhouse scene in the history of anime. I think it's safe and to it, say. And, and I got a great gif out of it. Oh, when when Kanemori is splashing Asakusa uh, because she's pissed about her being too efficient. Uh, she's like, this is a bathhouse and you're trying to You're trying to efficient? save water when you paid to bathe in a bathhouse? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put it in the Discord. Uh, uh, and then Mizusaki then is all like excited about the kind of the water dynamic. She's like, do it again. Yeah, again. <laughs> and it just keeps slapping Asakusa in the face over and over again. It's a good. <laughs> and Mizusaki is just like, mm-hmm, yes, yes, good. Uh, we also learned that I think it's Katamori who tried to raise pigs for meat once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then they go and get dinner, which is all the red crawfish you can catch. Um, oh, yeah. You know, and then, um, so yeah, and then they, they talk to Mizusaki and they, they deal with her hangups about her her weird vision for what animation is supposed to be. And Kanamori is like, have you considered that your vision for animation is too technical for people to understand, Mizusaki? Um, and she says... Cause, yeah, oh, yeah, because episode seven is, yeah, has kind of her, her backstory where... Yeah. Um, she she went to like kind of movement classes for young private young actresses yeah. and idols and models, and instead of actually practicing, she ended up just drawing other people's movements and studying them. Yeah, uh, and there's a cute little thing where she kind of learns about movement and how to how to move efficiently and effectively, and helps her grandmother walk walk easier yeah um, uh and her yeah and then she sees her grandma like when she's a little kid she sees her grandma like throw a cup of tea out onto the lawn uh and then yeah. trying to like figure out how her grandma does it um uh, oh yeah that's another really good gift <laughs> so good um but what mizusaki says about that is you know but the people who can understand do you know everyone does it um as unpleasant um you know, I think Kamui is like as unpleasant as I find artistic passion. I think I grasp the concept. Um, <laughs> and then Mizusaki says, "Would you prefer it if I said I want to make lots of people smile with my anime?" And Kamui says, "That would actually be more gross." Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, in episode eight, we sort of get a little bit more Mizusaki backstory because so episode eight begins with a murder. I don't so like so like they needed to find a, an excuse for Mizusaki's parents to be at the culture festival, and rather than just having them be at the culture festival, the show decides that it needs that they have a job that they're on like filming, and they're so they're not supposed to be there, and they're going to be there not because of any like normal reason, but because the the director was tried to kill the producer. Well, the whole thing is that like her her parents are extremely kind of 
absent from her life yeah. and that's how she can get away with this for so long is that they don't know what she gets up to at school yeah uh and so i just don't i just it, don't know if murder was necessary it, it's an act of it requires an act of god to get them to <laughs> not an act of god an act of murder <laughs> to get them to to actually kind of come to the culture festival and and then realize <gasps> she's making anime uh. and then they watch it and see all of kind of little touches about like her and like the stupid way she holds chopsticks and the um, yeah they <laughs> some, like her her signature movements yeah and like oh uh, yeah because they're is, like wait you're holding your chopsticks likes and it's yeah, they have this kind of, they're like gathered around like a trash can fire eating eating and, like cup, 4 a.m. Yeah, 4 a.m. <laughs> eating cup ramen and they're like you're holding your chopsticks kind of weird because Kanamori and um, and Asakusa hold their chopsticks the way I hold my chopsticks, which is with them next to each other, whereas Mizusaki crosses her chopsticks. Um, and I don't know if that's... I don't know if that... I, I don't know enough about Japanese chopstick etiquette to know what that, like, what that implies. Uh, right, but yeah. But then, but then her parents laugh at her afterwards. She's like, I just found out yesterday, okay? Um, so, so it's, pr- it's yeah. not... It's certainly in, that, in that, we learn... This is maybe my favorite. Like, Carbohydrates Revolution Club are very good, but maybe my favorite club that we learn about the existence of is what we learn about in that conversation, which is the HVAC Club. Oh, yeah! <laughs> so, yeah, so instead instead of just being, like, school staff doing the HVAC, there's a club in charge of it. Yeah, and... because Kanamori <laughs> wants to make the, the theater that they're showing the movie in really cold so that people will want to be in there because it's the summer. And it's hot as hell, and so she blackmails them into into cooling the room. Yeah, I need to reveal pictures she took of them wasting energy. Yeah, they're all like lounging around with the in like their cool room. <laughs> um. So yeah. And so then we we get the culture festival. They all they all show up <laughs> right at, at, in the HVAC club room. Um. Katamori like shows up uh, and they have a sign over the door that says fight for every degree. (laughs) So Misasaki uh, for some reason during this entire sequence is wearing like a a a manta ray costume. Oh yeah I never yeah so so, uh, Katamori convinced her to kind of do promotion as her model persona in order to drag people in. She wasn't, she didn't like it at first, but she didn't, she didn't want her like persona to overshadow the actual anime, but kind of more is like, we got to get people, we got to get asses in seats or else no one is going to appreciate it for any reason. Uh, and so she agrees. Uh, but then she wears a manta ray outfit uh, for some reason some reason uh and then there's a whole sequence of the student council trying to shut them down uh for this whole sequence is, is so like the uh the fast, the swift-footed kotatsu sequence from the night of Shirokan oh, yeah. girl it's 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 like uh, it's like a less fun version of that it's still good but it's it's not it's no swift-footed kotatsu that's yeah that, that that's that's true and so yeah they tried to they're trying to get them on on trumped up charges related to be doing an over over um eager promotion and doing illegal fireworks and 
what it's like like the whole thing about trying to uh Porno- like, you know pornography being a lazy pig etc cetera, etc cetera. no try to like get gangsters with like tax fraud yeah. instead of like their real crimes that the student council is trying to trying to shut down the izuken with whatever uh whatever they can get to stick and so there's a whole chase scene uh, of them trying to get mizusaki yeah because and, because they have a bunch of people dressed up in like cardboard robot costumes to promote it and then they give mizusaki one and because the robot costumes don't have like don't show your face uh then they like there's just a bunch of people in identical robot costumes all running around it's, yeah, it's a big, big, big Benny Hill energy, and then the the freak from the robot club, like, has the greatest day of his life where he uh, pretends to be a robot and runs screaming through campus. Yeah, um, and he um, uh, so like like they have some voice acting, and uh, like they didn't get a chance to record the voice acting beforehand. They do it live, and the dude, that dude from the anime club, is so fucking stoked to be voice acting <laughs> yeah like when they when they were doing rehearsals uh they're like can we adjust the balance because he's just screaming all his lines yeah and doing sound effects <laughs> yeah it's like, you don't have to do sound effects uh like they're in uh, the other thing that reminded me of night of show rock on girl in this sequence is that one of the robots like climbs up a building and then slides down a zip line exactly like in that is short walk on girl, uh, and I'm like, dude, uh, Japanese culture school culture festivals just just like have zip lines? Is that just like a thing that's around? <laughs> um, I hope so. I hope so. I I never went on a zip line at school. So yeah, so they show. So eventually, um, the the showing starts. We get to see. Uh, the 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 clip people go ape shit. It's it's jazz concert part two. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know everybody loves this cool anime about a crab fighting a giant robot. <laughs> um, they sell a million DVDs. Like what the funny thing here, it, it, like and it's, when they were doing the editing, uh, they I forget if it was because they didn't have the right music or something but they're like oh let's try some, let's try this and they just stop just just stop the music entirely at this scene yeah they weren't i and think they, they weren't happy with, with the, the, that particular track and then they're like oh this works and then during the actual scene when they screen it they have music yeah. <laughs> during that like music unrelated to the anime it's like non-diegetic like, music in that sequence yeah it, and it, it was like you made a big point about how how like it, it, the effective music and sound design is here then you just ignore it um, I, I was sad i wanted to see it yeah so then in uh in the next episode we find out that a bunch of other clubs including the boiled tofu group the hula dance group the setback talk rock club the cho the choju giga art restoration club the car and the carbohydrates revolution have all uh submitted proposals for promotional videos uh for the izuken to make them um uh, I think that they should have made an animation for the Sepak Takra Club. If you, dear listener, do not know what Sepak Takra is, you should look it up because it kicks ass. Uh, it is, it's essentially, it is a Southeast Asian sport, which is essentially volleyball, but you're only allowed to use your feet. Uh, oh, so it's, it is volleyball, but all bicycle kicks. It fucking rules. It is the best sport in the world. <laughs> yeah, just like if you want to have a good time, just look up like Sepak Takra highlights on YouTube. You will find some good, high quality stuff. Um, 
and kind of Kanamori is like, oh, the DVD sales weren't like as much as we were wanting. And I'm like, someone should tell Kanamori that the DVD market crashed over ten years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Who's buying DVDs? Seriously. Um, so yeah, so then Kanamori takes them out for lunch again, and they go to this dandan noodle place in like an deep underground um, fruit ramens. Um, yes, they star fruit ramen. Uh, um, and then they find out that the reason Kanamari took them there is because there's this guy, there's this, there's this otaku down there. I had, I had this exact experience, not this exact experience. I had a very similar experience the last time I went grocery shopping where the guy who was bagging my groceries was just a huge weeb. Um, (laughs) he had like a bunch of anime pins on his apron. Um, and (laughs) He was having a conversation with the cashier. I didn't catch most of this conversation because they were like mid-conversation when I when I walked up, but they're having a conversation about characterization. Oh no! <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's it's that it's, guy. It's so yeah, Kanamori in her in her in her kind of like forty chess way uh, takes them to this uh, kind of rundown underground shopping district in order to in order to somehow kind of prompt Asakusa into having an idea which is that the town defends itself against an alien invasion yeah um yeah also in this sequence we get to see Kanamori put her hair up and it's very cute and we get all her backstory about how her family ran first a brewery then a convenience store not her family but like her uncle or like like well, her, yeah. yeah her extended family yeah. uh and then how she kind of started working at the convenience store and and uh began her uh mercenary ways thinking of ways to make money there and ba- baby baby kanamori is so cute yeah she she's just as much she's just a little a little dinky gremlin instead of a tall gangly gremlin yeah um, and she has, yeah, so in this sequence, like, she, you know, we see her, like, doing some chores, and then she has the idea to, like, open the store in a snowstorm, because they'll be the only place open, and that'll make them some money. Uh, and then she, like, and they, they go, like, oh, she she shoveled the, the walk in front of the vending machine first so that we can make money that way before she does the bigger job of shoveling the entrance. Um, right, and then right. they, like, a bunch of, like, truckers come in, and then they eat a bunch of instant noodles. Um and she and she sells hot water by the yeah like, <laughs> yeah for a, by the poor. Yeah. She sells a pair of gloves for one hundred yen. Uh, uh, but then it turns out that it's, that they're going to shut down anyway because they're too they're they're too much in the in the red uh, already, and that kind of uh, traumatizes her in a sense, and and convinces her to always be uh, seeking to uh, have financial security. Um, yeah, and this is also the episode where we get Kanamori saying that there's nothing fun about social media, uh, right. which there is not. Right. There is nothing fun about <laughs> social media. Yeah, so so she's been, unbeknownst to the other two, she's been busy promoting their work. She's on been Twitter. posting. Uh, yeah, so there's, yeah, so there's been a thing where he's like, he's like, hey, Kanamori, what are you doing? She's like, Make, making posts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm posting. She's like, oh, fun. Um, uh, uh, also, the way that she introduces the liquor store story is, is fantastic because she says, Long ago, I bore witness to the death of a liquor store. <laughs> she also, like, when she comes in, 
in, in I don't have screenshots of the whole speech, but she gives she like begins giving this incredibly elaborate speech about why they need to repair the windows and walls of their their the club room when she like walks in in like the first episode and then Asakusa and and Mizusaki like pay attention for like three seconds and then start doing something else while she's reading from a piece of paper that she like clearly oh, typed right. up last night and she's like to wit we must repair the windows of if we do not repair the windows of the the club building. Um. <laughs> yeah. Um. So let's see. So they. Oh yeah. And so also, in addition to giving Asakusa ideas, she also uses the relationship she's developed with the fruit ramen dude to uh, get his connections to the local uh, business council, the chamber of commerce. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure if that was a localization thing or. Chamber of Commerce is what they call um, the local business associations there. It prob- I mean, they, they probably can- don't use the English words Chamber of Commerce. I know. <laughs> anyway, uh, she convinces them to fund uh, this film as part of a kind of a t- uh, local renewal uh, project. Yes. Which also, Which- as somebody who is indirectly involved with some like small town urban renewal shit in a town that i grew up in just awful vibes atrocious vibes never get involved in urban renewal in a small side in like a, a smaller mid-sized city the city should die the cities deserve nothing short of death uh, well well the student council sure doesn't like the idea uh because they they hear about this this these out this outside uh, profit-seeking endeavor and haul the gang uh, in for in for a hearing, uh, and this is where this is where uh, Kanamori and the secretary um, uh, Sawande really start to kick off their their weird um, hate plus hate slash respect dynamic that I am extremely here for. Ah. So, so, so the entire hearing, which is the student council, some of the teachers, and the Aizuken. No, it's not the teachers. That's uh, the principal and the vice principal, and then like I think a lady who's taking notes. Okay, and Kanamori is just looking at the ceiling. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> then... Like the student council lady is like she's looking like a normal person, and then when she goes to talk, she tilts her head all the way up and stares at the ceiling. Well, because she sees how much of a power move. Kanamori's stance is and so she unconsciously kind of mirrors it it's just it's just because it's just two people talking to each other but they're both looking at the ceiling (laughs) yeah 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 it's just an arms race of 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 Kanamori's is still more powerful because she's sitting down power poses yeah yeah and and that's and that's why later um Sawande comes out to the riverbank and like hangs out with Kanamori basically they're gay. <laughs> uh, I think you're you're uh, overrating the gayness. Projecting. Yeah, you're just projecting. Um, uh, they have great. They have a great dynamic, and I feel like they're gonna be friends at least. I definitely don't think that they could ever be friends. Uh, they will continue to interact from a distance for the rest of their lives. Uh, occasionally looking each other up on Facebook and going, Ugh. but like in a friendly way. Mm. Oh. We'll see about that. 
Uh, but yeah, but yeah, Kanamori, you know, she attempts to deploy, uh, deploy sophistry. Uh, you know, she she's like, you've been ex- avoiding explaining why exactly turning a profit isn't educational. Uh, what's the point of an educational institution if it wants to end up for its students? People who don't understand business will fall behind those who do and be worse off for it. Spewing out superficial pleasantries about dreams and hard work while turning away from anything that might cause a headache. Is that your idea of teaching? Um... <laughs> Yeah, so eventually they they you know the it, it becomes clear that nothing um, that nothing is going to come she, of this, and so the yeah she, she's finally she's finally met her match. Um, the student council lady says a couple of lines, but then sits back down, and then she has a back and forth again with the um, with the, the pre- like. I don't think that Kanamari loses or meets her match in any way. I think that it it just becomes clear that like the 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 principle be no i mean i yeah well that's what i mean that 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 she fails to she meets her match in the in the school more generally um uh, i mean she, she, she i said before she can browbeat anyone but she i think that what what there. winds up happening is that the principal realizes oh i've clearly lost this conversation but also it doesn't matter i'm the principal <laughs> you know like i don't actually have to like listen to what this teenager is saying to me uh you know, I can instead just like pretend that she said nothing and uh, just reiterate what my original position was and pretend like she doesn't have a point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, that's basically what happens. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> there's also a great joke in in here. I didn't take a screenshot of it, but um, Kanamori like it says like you know all of the teachers in this institution are fools and then like one of the other people in student council like gets super mad at that and, and is like how dare you say that you know the t- all the teachers at this, this this institution are amazing you know and then the other student council lady is like you have what it takes to be a teacher uh and then she <laughs> she beams for like half a second and then you just like see like her face her tiny little face just go just realize what that means and then just went oh Yeah. Um, Asakusa for these past few episodes has been trying to think up like a narrative justification for all of the bullshit, um, for all, for all of the bullshit that she's that she's made up. <laughs> for, um, all, for all the bullshit. Yeah, for all the bullshit. Um, and the security club, like, so like they are they're Kanamori is like having a conversation with another school club about getting about securing DVDs. Um, and then the fucking security club just like bust in, bust down the door and bust through the window and arrest the guy from the DVD club, um, for <laughs> basically for affiliating with the Izukin. But like they're like, oh, you're taking money from from outside of the school. You know, you're you're under arrest. You're expelled. Um, and um, like the the student council lady comes in and and is like, you know, you this this whole thing's under our jurisdiction now. You know keep 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 this in mind and katamori is like yeah yeah great uh about compensation for the window that you and door that you destroyed (laughs) Uh, so then they also we also encounter the aizuken advisor for the first time in a while uh, who is he's sitting in a burned out car his beard has not gotten any lighter yeah he's sitting in a burned out car on his phone and he has like a bunch of like pocket like portable game systems in the seat next to him. <laughs> and he's like Yeah. 
He's like, I have to be on campus whenever you're on campus. And they're on campus basically 24-7. So I didn't realize being an advisor would be this difficult. So I thought I'd play video games. Yeah, but I couldn't decide which one to play. Um, and then he tells them, like, you know, you need to, you guys need to relax more. And Asak says, like, surely yeah, this is this is what will we'll accomplish something is if we just goof off as though that's not what she's been doing the entire time. Um, and so convinces Kanamori and Asakusa to, like, they go out into the woods and then they climb up, like, this river, like, uh, aqueduct that, like, goes around a mountain. Um, and it, it does wind up giving Asakusa, like, an idea about, like, who the enemies are yeah. that they're fighting. Because they're, like, fighting, like, kappas who are, like, humans who evolved to, like, live underwater. Right. And like the the thing is is that like this the final short that they produce has no voice acting in it and it's like all I want to say is just like Asaksa, like your concept is way too high to explain visually. Yeah. Like yeah, if, they, if you the, the, yeah, the weird like like animated diagrams they try to like like we've been told what the story is yeah. and so we know what's going on when we watch the anime at the end, but like anyone else watching it would have no clue. Yeah, it's like you would have like unless on. unless you had a Soxa there to tell you what the plot is, it would be completely incomprehensible. Um, yeah, you need you, you either need dialogue or a lot more time yeah. to explain uh without without dialogue yeah and a lot less time spent on on, you need to spend a lot less time on just like fight scenes that don't advance the plot and a lot more time on shots that contain visual information that we haven't been told yet um but this is asakusa yeah um yeah and then we kanamori gets sick kanamori gets sick and uh when asakusa and mizusaki go take a train to visit her uh asakusa remembers when she first met kanamori in middle school uh which was there some sort of like weird physical education exercise where you had to like wrap your arms around somebody else's arms like back to back and then like lift them up uh yeah, and, and kanamori is already things. at this point in middle school uh, 11 feet tall uh <laughs> and so she can lift asakusa very easily and then asakusa not even not a chance not a chance that she's gonna lift kanamori <laughs> And yeah, and so after that, uh, they run into each other, and kind of more is like, "You want to make some money selling leaves?" It's a cop. She's she's been a she's a cop. She's been a cop the whole time. And so they go gather leaves that this restaurant uses for like, for for serving fish on. Yeah. Oh right. Yeah. Uh, want to make some and... money off some leaves? And, uh, yeah, like in Casablanca, it's the beginning of a, uh, this could be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Uh, yeah, yeah, I forgot what the, I forgot what the, I forgot what I've never even seen Casablanca and I know that line. Yeah, well, I, 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 my brain is full of the other lines, not that one, because <laughs> I have seen Casablanca. Like, um. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah um, and then we also get uh, so yeah so then they go to meet uh, to like see Katamari when she's sick they bring her milk uh, they bring her the fancy milk the fancy milk uh, she's oh, yeah at home all she has is normal milk yeah normal milk and she drinks which she drinks directly out of the quart container uh, yeah. because it's like yeah that's how much, it, I mean she's like Leon, she is Leon the professional she is uh, she's a gangster who drinks milk yeah um, uh, and yeah, and then we also get a little bit of 
Asakusa, like, just not, like, you know, Asakusa, like, starts saying some stuff about the, they start talking about the, the production, and Kanamori gets really mad at her because, like, starts asking her, like, basic questions, like, well, why, wh- who are these people? Like, why are they attacking? You know, all this stuff, and <laughs> she's, she's, Kanamori says, your directions dictate what the entire staff is doing. You can freight your weird head off, but the clock is ticking. <laughs> um... Yeah, th- th- this is kind of this is kind of the place in which the, this is most like Shirabako. Which the, the the director there is also an indecisive like little gremlin, and at one point they have to actually lock him in the basement until he finishes his storyboards. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and like you would think that this would eventually come to a head, but instead Asakusa just has continues to have bad ideas, and then they work out somehow. Right. Yeah. Like, despite the fact that like she just decides to goof off instead of like working, and despite the fact that she everything... makes this like radical change to the story at the very last second, um, you know, because they wind up the guy who was supposed to do the score for the anime was like, I had a vision of a sauna floating in outer space here, and then it gives them a score that is completely different from the demo that they got. Uh, and yeah, so they, they just, animated dancing to the original demo, and then we're just like, oh, well, this doesn't match at all anymore. Um, and so they have to re- they get rid of the dancing bit, and they have to replace it with something else because they don't have time to request to the guy. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, like in what I, what I would have liked from this show was more of Asakusa having to actually meaningfully confront the fact, like, that her... Dis- that her indecisiveness and her inability to you know have coherent focused ideas like hurts other people um yeah whereas right now but, instead all that happens is kanamori yells at her a bunch yeah. um but she never so, 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 learns yeah kanamori somehow heroically like lines up everything else so that when asakusa finally kind of gets her shit together it's smooth sailing um, yeah, and like, like I the the reaction that I've seen from a lot of the people that I know who've watched this show, um, who work in games, is you know like, oh, how great you know producers, you know the important work they do, and like, yes, that's true, but also you should not be this much of an asshole to your producer, you know, right. you should do get the work done so that your producer doesn't have to scream at you. Um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like. That's, I guess, my biggest problem with this show is that its characters have very obvious flaws that should have that should set up arcs, and they don't. Um, you know, right, and like right. the intervening time is fun enough, um, you know, and and entertaining enough, and it has enough sort of like pathos in it to make that not as much of a problem as it would be in a lesser show, but it is still a problem. Right, 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 right. and 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 that kind of like i was trying to forget what to make of this the what the, the change to the to the ending that they have to make in order to they're like we don't have time to get a new, new audio track so let's just let's change the ending and asakus is like i've i've been troubled by the ending anyway and so this is this is actually fine and so originally so we got the war get the humans and the the kappas uh and the the one of one on each side are are like crash land or taken prisoner then learn that that learn that like they're have a common ancestor and used to coexist and then 
their kind of means of communication broke down and then they became enemies. And so they they repair these weird chimes that help them communicate. And then everyone is like, oh, it was all misunderstanding and and everyone's peaceful and have a dance party for peace. Uh, And obviously that sucks. Yeah. Um, And then, so what they replace it with instead is basically that they repair these communication devices and nothing really happens. Yeah. Uh, and that the, the, the two sides keep fighting and then these two basically start fighting against their own people to try and stop it and then uh, like get crash land or get captured and then join the other side, mm. I think. Uh, yeah, that's sort and, of the problem is that the ending is hard to parse because it's the only part of the short that we haven't been told the plot of. Right, and and so and so like one kind of like surface level thing is that like like none of their like creative projects have like a perfect like none of them end up perfect. None of them have a perfect ending. There, it's always like a, a fight to kind of keep going and make something better and fight against everyone who's all the obstacles that they find in their way but like yeah given the what you've talked about with the kind of how a success it doesn't doesn't like grow like i don't think there's like a deeper kind of self-aware point involving that because i assume that's from the manga yeah um yeah, it's the 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 new ending. Like it's it's conf- it just reinforces how confusing the premise is, and how it's just like there's just too it's overstuffed. Like the whole right. thing, um, you know, there's just not enough room to convey who these characters are, and like none of these none of their shorts just have a soul, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like there's no central right. guiding principle and like asakusa has this guiding principle of uh of like cooperation or cohabitation or whatever it is um that is it, that she draws from her experience meeting kanamori um which when she met kanamori oh, yeah, coexistence yeah coexistence that's that's the word um uh, i forget the japanese word because they they say it very slowly and carefully um <laughs> so that you remember it um but yeah but yeah when she has her breakdown and like realizes that 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 end that the initial kind of liberalism liberalism ending uh, is bad. She's like, hold on a second. Uh, like the majority of what's going on in the world isn't peaceful. And then there's this yeah. wild sequence with all kind of these like every social in the world. issues. Like what? It, it, I mean, some, some of them are just like things like education and. Uh, like marathons future email but then there's things like cryptocurrency abusive workplaces trash quote don't rock the boat thinking ransom pta camaraderie also cancel culture (laughs) is on there yeah um also overachievers (laughs) are on there cyber education monster parents <laughs> yeah it's uh mom friends gender uh yeah it's it's a lot um it's honestly like this sequence would probably work better without the subtitles because like even if even if like you would have to go through this frame by frame even if you knew japanese to read all right. these 
Right. Um, I mean, I'm sure they. I'm sure. The, I'm sure whoever did the subtitles had a. <laughs> yes, they, they, they had a very. They, and I'm sure they had a very good time going through frame by frame and reading everything. Um, but it, po- it is also poaching like... Princey's cooking and poaching Princey's kill. But yeah, like it's 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 a very different effect between what a Japanese speaker would see from this versus what the subtitles have, which is just like all of them on the screen the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> right. Also, uh, so Kano, they finish the short, and then Kanamori goes to like the printing club, and then she like saws open the door with like an ankle grinder, <laughs> and then opens it and kicks the door down, and is like, "I'm here to deliver that data you were asking for." <laughs> and I, <laughs> it's, it's so good. Uh, so is that what they got arrested for? Some sort of like, um, like at the beginning of the Matrix when Neo is give, is giving dudes illegal evil memes, floppies. illegal memes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what the DVD club is. Is yeah, they're in the illegal doing. meme trade. Uh, okay, uh, checks out. And then Kanamari goes back to like the studio where they're working on the final audio mix, and all uh, Asakusa Mizusaki uh, and. Uh, keep forgetting your name uh domeki Domeki. they they look they look they look desiccated (laughs) (laughs) yeah they've been up all night yeah uh redoing the ending yeah and uh yeah they 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 look rough uh so yeah kanamori makes some unspeakable deal with the dvd club to to get uh like last minute printing because the the legit company they had contracted with uh, they had the deadline that they had to break because of the this change to the ending. But they get the DVDs made, go to Comicat, uh, sell exactly all the DVDs they made. Like you, you see them, you see Mizusaki reach into the box and there's no more DVDs. And then Kanamori just goes, hey. And then, then, then like the end of convention announcement yeah, well, <laughs> the convention that they're going to is Comet A, which resembles but is legally distinct from Comicat. Uh, and they, yeah, they go yeah, to yeah. a building that resembles but is legally distinct from Tokyo Big Sight. But yeah, and then they go home and they all they all sit on uh, in Asakusa's living room and uh, watch watch the anime for the first time. And Asakusa is the coziest any human being has ever been. <laughs> the coziest little bug in the coziest little rug. She is wrapped up in a in like this massive blanket, and only her little head and her little bunny rabbit are poking <laughs> up out of it. Um, and she's sitting on the couch and then Kanamori and, uh, and Mizusaki are like sitting on the floor in front of the couch, uh, with like a bunch of snacks and pizza and they're watching it. And then, uh, Asakusa like falls asleep immediately as soon as they start watching the movie. Um, um, and then she wakes up the next morning and is the first thing that she says, she pulls it, she pulls open her, her window, looks at it and says, you got a lot to improve upon. Um, uh, <laughs> and, uh. And they, yeah, and then they go to the club building and they start talking again. And this is sort of what makes it feel very not final. Like, as opposed to, for instance, Kids on the Slope, which sort of covers their, their entire high school careers as jazz musicians. Right. And, like, and like the ending feels very final of that because it's like, oh, they're graduating high school. Like, you know, we get to see how, like, what happens in the rest of their life. Like, that feels like a, a conclusion. As opposed to this show, it just sort of peters out. 
um and it, it very much feels like there's um there's more to the story that is not in the anime i mean yeah there are plenty of um shows that kind of hope that they will get a second yeah season that they can continue like um but but then don't and have to kind of so i'm not sure if that's what this is like yeah but, uh yeah, if there are five volumes of the manga, that's probably more than... And it's also... The manga is still running, actually. Oh, well, there we go. Yeah, there we go, yeah. Um, it's been running since 2016. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's definitely a lot more to the story that isn't in the show. So I can't I can't necessarily like fault them too, too much for not being able to give a conclusive ending um, to a right. story that doesn't and, have and, an ending yet. And one can only hope that... like. There is more character yeah. growth than in what is probably the first couple volumes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's. I think that's keep your hands off Izokin. Uh, it is. It is a good show that I would recommend. Um, you know, it, it. As somebody who has recently embarked on a, a an adventure of attempting a creative project with two of my friends, uh, <laughs> it. <laughs> feels like something you know like the, the show it, it connected with a lot of people that i knew who make video games and i'm sure that it would connect with anybody who does any sort of creative work for a living because it's it's that is the best thing about it is that it, it is how sort of how accurate its characters are as types of people that you'll run into doing creative work and how like clear and accurate the struggles are that they face you know and like it just it feels like it comes from a very honest place um yeah. which is 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 really cool um so alex do you have a book to recommend i guess i do so I, just, I just i just i was trying to remember what i what i'd read the past couple of months uh, this really has nothing to do with the show what i realized what i could, like if i hadn't already recommended it i could have recommended possession by a.s mm-hmm. Byatt, which is uh, because there's a lot of like uh, in frame, like like made up poetry and stuff that is presented as like in uh, creative works within the work. Um, but I recommended that already, I think, for Carol and Tuesday. You did, yeah. Um, so this time I'll just I'll recommend uh, something different, which is The Lying Life of Adults by Elena Ferrante. Uh, I've recommended her Neapolitan novels before. This is this is a much shorter and kind of I get and I guess the Neapolitan novels thing. are approximately uh, a billion million pages long, so it would be right. very surprising if they weren't <laughs> if these weren't shorter. <laughs> this is a single novel uh, about a teenage girl growing up, kind of from I think like sixteen. Like fourteen to eighteen or something, and just about kind of trying to understand kind of her family and how what her parents have told her and how that kind of about her extended family that she hasn't been really allowed to meet and how kind of does and doesn't jibe with reality. And also just her um, coming of age and understanding herself and her sexuality. 
so it's 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 good. Um, it it kind of plays. I, I made a joke on I think passed it on about how it's uh, <laughs> like a class S uh, story, and that's that's from manga where like it's an old trope that kind of casts like lesbian relationships as sort of a phase that girls go through um or like play acting at relationships uh, as preparation for the real world and then they, they like leave school or whatever and grow out of it um because like in the book like she like does fool around with some of her friends in high school um but she also has sex with with boys and at the end it's um it's not clear if like her relationship with her best friend like was like a phase that she's grown out of or or not and so there's i'm not entirely sure what to make of the ending um but like elena fronte is a great writer and um it's it's a fun novel that's lying life of adults by uh, so before we recorded this, I was having a lot of trouble <laughs> recommending something because there are two books that I've been meaning to read that would be great to recommend uh, related to this show, uh, but I haven't read them yet. I will mention them, but can't talk about them. One of them is uh, <laughs> one of them is Otaku Japan's Database Animals by Hiroki Azuma, uh, which is a sort of like some dank postmodern philosophy on oh, otaku no. culture and anime in in uh post-war japan uh and then the other one is the anime machine a media theory of animation by thomas lamar um which is basically exactly what it says in the tin uh but the thing that i will actually recommend is 1q84 by haruki murakami uh hey. which i read a while ago um so I don't, I have weird, complicated feelings about this book. Um, so this book is, it's very long. Um, it is not slow paced. It is one of the easiest to read books that like sort of pushes up towards like a thousand pages that I've ever read. Um, because it has this just sort of like a breakneck sort of manic pacing where just like stuff is constantly happening. Um, it follows, it's about two characters uh one uh a a young sort of like writer and part-time math tutor named tango and a woman named el mame uh who is an assassin who murders domestic abusers um and they both get sucked into an alternate universe japan um where police carry guns and there are two moons in the sky um and they were childhood friends but haven't spoken in a really long time and their stories sort of orbit around each other as almame becomes involved in assassinating a man that she believes is the leader of a cult that emerged out of political revolutionaries in the 1960s and then tengo takes into his care a woman named fuka eri who wrote a book that he was hired to rewrite into something that was not terrible but using her plot because she's a bad writer but she wrote something very imaginative um 
And then she, it turns out, was like a member of this same cult uh, and also possibly magical. Uh, and things uh, become uh, uh, weird. Things get weird. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's I I, I I thought of it while while I was going through like the books that I've I've logged on Goodreads uh, because of specifically like the first third of the book deals a lot with Tengo's attempts to rewrite this novel that Fukaeri has written. Um, because he's, he's like called by this guy who like works for a like friend of his who like works for a publishing company that's published some of his stories. Um, and he, and and it's just like, Hey, Tango, you're a good writer. Like, will you, we want to publish this book because we think it's one, we think that the subject matter is interesting, even if the writing isn't very good. And we also think that, uh, like this, the idea that this like 17 year old wrote this book will be really marketable. So we want to have you rewrite it, but we don't want to like, we want to have you like ghost rewrite it and still have say that Fukuari actually wrote it. And like him sort of grappling with the process of rewriting the book and then also like his feelings about this sort of like lie by omission um, that he's participating in. And like, you know, um, it, it has some sort of interesting stuff or interesting thoughts and meditations on the, on the creative process in a, not in a similar way. It's not really similar to, to keep your hands on my Zogan at all, but it did. That did make me think of it. And I haven't read anything in a couple of months because of moving stress. So this is what you're getting. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so next month, it is summertime now, which means we're going to take two months to watch something a little longer. Uh, oh boy. Last year, you picked uh, Revolutionary Girl Lieutenant and hoisted yourself because you didn't really like it that much. Uh, I mean, it, it was definitely... Like, it was. I'm glad I saw it. Yeah. Like, I, I have issues with it but like it's definitely one of the more interesting things you've yeah seen. i'm totally glad i liked it more than you but um but also like i didn't really like the first half of it all i really only started to like it in the second half um but yes so we are going to watch this month uh mobile suit gundam the 1979 uh anime oh, that baby. did not invent mecha but certainly popular repopularized it and popularized a very specific kind of it you know there are earlier shows like mazinger z or tetsujin 28 go that use the giant robot concept um uh but uh gundam sort of pioneers the idea of using giant robots as like a metaphor for like the horrors of war um and specifically like the effect of war on teenagers it sort of pioneers like the magic boy piloting giant robot genre um and it it got canceled after two years on the air, so it's forty eight episodes. Um, we will be watching the first half this month, and then the second half the next month. So it's not too crazy. Um, and um, but after it was canceled, it wound up coming back because they started selling Gunpla. Gundam plastic models, which are little, they're like airplane. If you don't know, I'm sure that most of our audience knows what a gunplay is, but it's um, like a little plastic model, uh, like a model plane or whatever, but you like build it uh, and it, it, you build like a model of like a robot from Gundam. And it pioneered like that idea of, of uh, selling plastic toys of robots from a show as being like <laughs> a, me- a huge massive money maker for mecha shows and sort of paved the way for mecha shows built on selling toys of the robots 
being like the dominant form of commercial anime for like the next 20 years uh, oh yeah that reminded me we were, when we were talking about the robot anime that they the second thing that they made in Izuka and I was like if you want to watch a bad robot anime you could watch uh, SSSS Gridman bad robot anime uh, is uh, when J.J. Abrams directs a mecha anime because <laughs> I remember when I was watching that it was a bit and I was like this is clearly angling for like toy yeah like and that's like uh, an, yeah. an interesting thing is like now we're living in the era where of we're living in the age of the isekai uh right now um and we have been for a little while you know and mecha shows have sort of been on the decline you know if you look at like the past like 20 years we've gotten Gurren Lagann like huge notable ones it's like Gurren Lagann and then like Darling in the Franks but I honestly feel like that's probably going to go away and I feel like the only that's a mecha anyway uh, Darling in the Franks yes it is um it's also trying very hard to be Ava and part of it's like there's a a few things one is is sort of like dwindling interest in buying toys of giant robots but secondly is the fact that like Ava casts such a long shadow over the entire genre um after 1997 where like every suddenly it like redefined what like like the limits of what a mecha genre could be and like everybody wanted to make this like you know avant-garde boundary pushing giant robot anime but nobody had the vision for it that Hideaki Anno had so they just rip off Eva um, <laughs> um, but yeah so yeah so we're we're watching Gundam uh, this will be our first Gundam show that we're watching for the podcast um, I definitely want to watch more in the future but they're mostly all like 48 to like 60 something episodes so they're hard to squeeze in um, with our current format um but definitely i think it's important for us to watch this show and i think it's good uh the theme song at the very least slaps um anyway nice. uh, alex where can people find you on the internet wow on twitter and dun 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 uh, mastodon catalina at selfie.army selfie with a y and i stream on trash.cloud uh you can find me on Twitter at Prophet underscore Goddess. You can find me on Mastodon at Prophet underscore Goddess at Skeleton.cool. Uh, I also stream on Trash.cloud. Uh, you can find the video games that I've made at ProfitGoddess.itch.io, no underscore. Uh, you can find the show on Twitter at Animes for Jerks. You can find the show on Mastodon at Animes for Jerks at Skeleton.cool. You can email us at Animes for Jerks at gmail.com. Let me double check and make sure that nobody has emailed us. Um, oh, hey, somebody did actually email us. What? Um, not spam? Uh, it is not spam. No, it is actually, we, re- so we received an email. Emo. Um, <laughs> we received an email from, from Eden uh, at, at Necrotechno. Uh, oh, hi, Eden. Uh, who... Uh, who says, hello, I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts and keep your hands off Izokin. I think there are lots of things to like about it, and while I find it did drag a little in the way that most slice-of-life shows do, I still enjoyed the overall experience. Usually you address emails at the end of the show, so hopefully I haven't embarrassed myself with a completely contradictory opinion. P.S. It's not quite anime, but I'd also love to hear your thoughts on Advent Children and Square Enix's bizarre desire to tie every Final Fantasy game in with a movie. Um, oh man, uh, we can talk about the Final Fantasy stuff. Uh, those movies are bad. <laughs> Um, I have not seen any of them. Yeah. Um, uh, Final Fantasy. So, like, 
Square, like, they founded, like, this in, like, the late 90s, like, after the success of Final Fantasy VII, and they, like, founded, like, a wing of, like, a branch of their uh, studio to, like, make movies called Square Pictures, and then they made uh, The Spirits Within, which, hmm, not a good movie. Uh, Very weird. But they they had this whole, like, weird idea, because they, like, created a character for The Spirits Within um who was like a fictional actor and they wanted her they wanted to like pioneer this idea of like not just fictional characters but fictional actors who would appear in multiple animated movies playing different characters which is such an ass backwards terrible idea it's unbelievable um it's very bad uh but yeah i actually i actually don't know a ton about uh the final fantasy movies um also, Gmail offers offers uh, three auto-completed or uh, like predictive text uh, responses to this email, which are "Thanks, I'll check it out." Cool, I'll check it out and love it. Uh, well, we do love you. Uh, we do not love uh, Square Enix Advent- Final Final Fantasy Advent Children, though. We do not approve. Okay. Um, I, 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 I mean, I'm sure they're not great, but I have not seen them, so I will diplomatically withhold judgment. <laughs> I'm looking at the Wikipedia article to like refresh my memory of like the deal with this thing. Because um, yeah, because Advent Children is specifically based on Final Fantasy VII. It's like set in the same world as Final Fantasy VII. Because um, they, they've done that a couple of things. Because they they also did. Uh, they did that PSP game, uh, Crisis Core, uh, which I have not played, uh, which was based on, like, it was based on Zack from Final Fantasy VII, who is, like, a character from, like, the most secret cutscene in Final Fantasy VII, and they just, like, made a whole game out of him at a time when everybody was just like, please, remake Final Fantasy VII in HD, and they were like, is this what you want? And everybody was like, no, please, just remake Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> How, what at this? Do you, do you, do you like this? Uh, do you, do you like this? I... <laughs> <laughs> please make, please remake Final Fantasy VII. No, that's too hard. Here is a spinoff. I mean, that just reminds me i i mean not to not to rip off tim rogers too aggressively but he does in his review his action button review of final fantasy 7 remake he does tell a story about when he worked at sony and he was at this event for the launch of final fantasy 12 and like people had like waited in line like overnight to like purchase final fantasy 12 and like the person who was first in line was going to get to like meet the president of square um and all that stuff and so he is this guy and he shows up he's like wearing a surgical mask it pays for the game, you know, takes the picture with the president, with the president of square who says a few words and then hands the microphone over to this guy. He's like, do you have anything to say? And he pulls his surgical mask down and puts the microphone over his face and says, please remake F- final fantasy seven for the PlayStation two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good stuff. And he was never heard from again. Anyway. Yes. Uh, next, uh, next month. Gundam, the first half of Mobile Suit Gundam. Very excited about that. Um, if you also like Gundam, uh, I would also recommend that uh, people go and check out the Great Gundam Project, which is a podcast done 
um, by Jackson Headfalls Off on Twitter and M at M underscore being on Twitter uh, of the podcast Abnormal Mapping. Uh, it's on their Patreon. You can get it for a dollar. Um, and it is them watching literally every single episode of every Gundam series in release order. They live. They live in a. They're. They're. They live in a nightmare for the next decade of their lives. Um, but the podcast is very good. Um. So yeah. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. We'll be back next month. And remember, there is nothing less important than anime. <laughs>